the Speakers Bank Podcast. Our voices, our views. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Speakers Bank Podcast. I'm here with Storm. Hello. How are you today? Not bad. It's good. And Catherine. Hi. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. That's good. And today we'll be discussing accessibility. So first, what we need to do guys, is we need to define accessibility. The dictionary refers to it as the design of products, devices, services or environments for people who experience disabilities. It's also um, thought of as the concept of accessible design and practice of accessible development to ensure both direct access i.e. unassisted, and indirect access, meaning compatibility with a person's assistive technology. For example, computer screen readers. So guys, how would you define accessibility? Accessibility is everything. It, it doesn't matter if you're an able-bodied person or a disabled person. If you've got no accessibility, you can't go out socialising, you can't go out and find a job, and you can't enjoy life. Um, I know for, for my personal experiences, um, I like to watch movies and I like to go to the cinema. But if there's no accessibility for me to get to the cinema inside the complex, I can't go. And I was very, very lucky, and this is a positive experience, that the lift, they have a lift at the cinema where you can go from one level to the next level without any problem. Uh, having said that, I've had also bad experiences when um, we've had uh, buses who I need to go to TAFE and they're not available to have the disability buses to get me on to where I need to go. So it's a love and hate relationship. So Catherine, what does accessibility mean to you? It, it means like, so if people, um, so there's, there's a few shops where I live where it's not wheelchair friendly. So I reckon Shops need to have flat surface so they allow people with disability to go into shops more. Yeah. So, yeah. So, now that we've sorry, now that we've established what it means, we're now going to discuss each of these barriers, and we're also going to talk about our opinions and experiences in in relation to this. So. For example, inadequate information and advice about how to enter the open right. workplace and obtain, obtain ongoing support is obviously a, it's obviously a real issue. For example, there's no one-stop shop for people with disabilities looking for information, advice and ongoing support, or there seems to be a lack of coordination between different government services so that people with disabilities are unclear about which Commonwealth or state agencies can provide them with assistance. So, what do, you, what do you guys think well, about all this? I remember one example, uh, I had, me and Mimi were going out uh, to a function in Melbourne, in Royal Labour Arena, and they didn't specify where the lifts were, where the car parking was, or if there was going to be any stairs or any other barriers involved in it. They just said, Please come to Rod Labour Arena, we're on this type of floor, 
and we'll see you there. There was no other specific information. And when we, when we asked the staff people who were in charge of the event where are the lifts, they had no idea. So that's, that's a really poor way of trying to get people with disabilities involved. You want them involved because it was part of the NDIS uh, meeting, but how are you going to do that if it's not accessible enough for you to go? So me and Mimi got very lucky because had it been for a wheelchair or a very severe person with special needs, I don't think he'd be able to get, get, get to that uh, particular area. And Catherine, what do you think about um, the barriers associated with people with disabilities? Um, I don't think there is much in the ways of um, access with disabilities, my concern. Yeah, that's, that's fine. So we're going to talk about um, financial cost of participation. For example, additional transport, support and other costs associated with work, many of which are not subsidised, unfortunately. Um, and it also foregoes the disability support, pension and associated benefits, such as the pensioner's health um, care card. For me, it's not so much um, knowing what the services are, it's about getting the services that you need. For example, um, when uh, Catherine uh, or I in the past have applied for a companion card, it was extremely difficult. We, we, had, we both had a classified disability, we both um, had a need for the companion card, but due to their strict criteria on a disability, on what they think a disability actually is, it's very, very hard. Uh, you, you have to write a letter to the doctor, the doctor has to get a recommendation to write um, the letter to the companion card people, which is the government, to yeah. say that he has a disability. And then there's, there's other barriers where um, the card comes in too late or um, the, the card is not specifically what you wanted. Um, I remember there's some places where the companion card isn't available in certain uh, areas that you want to go to. Yeah, because legally not, not all businesses have to accept the companion card. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I find that too, it's, it's just hurdle after hurdle, and I think even as well as a supporting letter, the doctor actually has to fill in his own part of the form. Right, yeah, I Which is another part yes, of paperwork. Yes, yes. And then you have to get photos and get them signed. Yes. It's almost like applying for a passport. Oh, a passport's another issue too. It's just, it was just amazing how much it goes in the passport. Oh, it, it definitely is. And also, speaking of all, the, all that stuff, um, what do you guys think about um, inflexible work, work environments, for example, difficulties with physical access to the workplace? and getting to and from work, or even inadequate adjustments and adaptions to workplace equipment, or even inflexible work hours. Mm. I just don't think there's enough education by the employees to understand what a disability actually is. Uh, I don't think that they have in their mind that they want to recruit a person with a disability in the first place, even though they've got the qualification and they've got the you know, right attributes to be in that job. That's probably part of the reason. The other reason is uh, because the building itself isn't set up to be a disability friendly environment. So 
before any workers, and I suggest any employers that want to employ someone with a disability, they have to get the right um, OH&S stuff out of the way, so then you can work at your best, um, at your best, you can work at your best. Yep. And Catherine, what are you, Catherine, what are your thoughts on um, th this issue? Well, if, from my experience, if you were to do further study, like outside school or something, like you're doing a diploma, if you were, if you were to go through, like I did my music, um, I did a diploma in music performance, before, um, people need to think about, um, so I'm growing up, I have a daughter that's very musical, but she has intellectual learning disability. Um, is she able to participate in the course? And and they say, yeah, yeah, no worries, bring her in and all that. So off I went. But what my advice to everybody out there, if you want to hire someone that has some kind of learning issue, you need to provide the help that mm. they need. Otherwise, they're gonna fail. They're gonna fail and they're gonna struggle and it wouldn't be good for anybody. So, I would, um, yeah. Just one more thing I wanted to add to. Um, the, the frustrating part about um, getting uh, the work that you want is that there's a funding criteria for it and once the funding criteria runs out they don't want to hire you. Mm. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that with the NDIS that won't be happening. So if the boss thinks that you're doing a good job, they don't have the luxury or the excuse to say because your funding's run out, you can't um, you can't continue on with this job. Yeah. Even though you like the job and you want to be in the job. Because I think with law with most disability job providers They'll, they'll actually have a period of, I think it's like six months, where they'll, they'll subsidise your wage so the company doesn't lose any money, but once exactly. that runs out, the employer is no longer obligated to keep you on. Exactly. And, and I'm Which is pointless, because yeah. you just go around the same mountain again. Exactly. And that's the reason why people with disabilities do not get jobs, because they don't want to go through that loop system where mm. it's just going to end up back to yeah. square one again. So I'm hoping with the NDIS, with the amount of funding that we're getting, uh, that, that encourages people to hire us without the need of worrying yeah. about the funding because we're going to fund ourselves to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mention that because I once applied for a job with a major telecommunications provider and they actually asked me on the form, you know, do you have a disability? If, if you do, you know, is there any modifications we can make to the office, you know, to try and help you? Mm. And, and this is, this is, this is a, I won't obviously disclose which one, but this is a very well-known known provider and it's just fantastic to see that they actually are willing to even make those modifications to the office. Because unfortunately there's more, more limited opportunities for people with disabilities. As I mentioned before, there's, you know, poor links in, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the workplace and even between state-administered school and post-school programs, as well as 
as well as Commonwealth administered disability employment services or even under representation in the vocational, educational and training systems as we even, we, we did, we'd even discussed a little bit in an earlier episode. There's even um, limited scope and even a lack of variety in jobs offered to people with disabilities, which I think is horrible. There's, there's, it gets worse. There's lower possibilities for promotion and, and there's even lower paying jobs, lower retention rates, and there's even stigma and discrimination against people with disabilities. That's true, So do you guys have, have anything you'd like to, like to add to, you know, some of what I've just told you? I just think that people who want to hire people with disabilities just need to do a bit of background work. They need to understand what a disability actually is and yes. don't just assume that an able-bodied person can work the same hours as a disability person because that's not going to happen. Yeah. But what I can guarantee you is that when you hire a person with a disability, they will work twice as hard, or if not harder, than any other able-bodied person in your roster. Yeah, my um, people with a disability can work just as well as an able-bodied person. Yeah. And they should have the right to get this, even if they're on a pension, mm. that they're getting some money through the government, they should, can be paid casually on top of their pension at the right payments. Yeah. So, like, if I could get work, if I was working at the cafe and I was getting good pay, mm. if I was working in a you know, scope or whatever, which I did, they're getting paid $2. And I just think that's wrong. That's like taking advantage of people with disabilities. Like people out there need, we need more people yeah. with a disability out there working with yeah. the, with everybody. Yeah, so I suppose to, to clarify what, what you're saying is, is number one, we should have it so that we don't lose any money for any additional income we make provided that it's that it's under a certain amount. Yeah. And I would say that you're what you're also trying to say is that we should be a pa paid at award wages no matter what the job is. Yes. But one more thing I want, wanted to add to the conversation was I don't want to get people get the wrong idea that we live off the pension and that's all we need. We need more. If we want to earn our money yeah, the, the, the correct way. Yes. We are not lazy people. We're not lazy. Yeah. That's that that's the stigma I want to, you know, come out to you guys and say that we want to work. We are ready to work. Just give us an opportunity and we'll prove yeah. it. And the re and the reality is, Storm, I don't know if you know this either Catherine, the re the reality is and I know I'm getting a bit liquid, the reality is we we are actually we are created to work. We we are designed with a capacity to work and if we don't work Studies have actually shown that we, we get depressed, we can develop psychological pro problems because the reality is yeah, we, we, we need meaning and, meaning and purpose because yeah. the reality is if, the, if, if there's no meaning even with if it's one we create yeah. on our own, the reality is um, people get really depressed and all sorts of horrible things happen as a result yeah. of that. So, I thought that took a dark turn, but anyway, can, I was correct. 
Yeah, no, it, it was. I just thought I'd slot that into light in the mood. <laughs> so can any of you, can either of you guys think of some suggestions or or initiatives that our local, state, or even federal government, or maybe even private institutions, um, can do, or have done to make their physical premises more accessible for people with disabilities? Well, I guess if you really want to go in depth, you could ask the person with a disability at your home, what do you need? What do you actually need to provide a successful work environment for you? Because right. every person with a disability has different needs. Yeah. Some might be needing a bigger table because they don't have a long reach, or some people might need um, accessible toilets because they're not accessible. Mm. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Where are you, Catherine? When I did my music diploma, the people that said, yes, bring her in, they should have quizzed about my needs before I even started. So, they, you know, so I could have a go at actually doing something I would enjoy. And that goes with anybody that wants to do something, you know, People with disabilities wants to be out there like everybody else. Exactly. Because just people. But the needs need to go into consideration. The needs need to be supported. And, that, and that's where the support workers need to be there. They need um, they need flexible work hours based on their disability as well. Yeah. And, and with that, and I hate to sound like Jerry Springer when I say this, it's time, I suppose, for our final thoughts on the subject, if any. Final thoughts are, we're getting there, it's trying to get there, but we need more work needs to be done on securing the future of our jobs and our livelihood. Yeah. It is getting better, I know, we could get more people like us out there working at a, um, Right, like yeah. yeah, and one thing, one thing I'd, I'd like to add personally is, and this is just something that's come to mind, is that do you find that when you go to a, jo a job provider that if you do get a potential in employer, that the job provider actually scares them off with a whole stack of paperwork and then they think they're going to be sued because you break a nail? Yes, yes. Because um, that really does scare the employer. I, I find, I find, and I'm just going to mention this quickly, I find yeah. the disability discrimination is probably part of the problem as why people can't, won't hire people with disabilities because they're scared if they go and do this a little bit wrong they'll get discriminated which means they'll get sued. Yeah yeah well I, I suppose my aspect is more and I worry about from the, from the employer perspective is that if you make it really intimidating and you give someone a stack of forms and you know medical reports from doctors the reality is if I'm an employer to be honest with you so I'm not going to want to hire you if I, if I feel like I'm I'm going to get sued or if I feel exactly. that something's going to exactly. happen to you because people don't want to take risks they don't want to they don't want to go with the with the with the big guy and say if I take this guy on minimum wage I'll be safe but for me if I was the boss I'd be going high or, or go home that's yeah. Kind of thing. If they're qualified. Mm. If they're qualified. Um, what about you, Catherine? Any any last thing to add, or are you good? I think I'm good. That's good. Well, with that, that brings us to the end of yet another episode 
of the Speakers Bank podcast. We've covered accessibility, and now it's time, well, especially for me, to access the coffee and maybe a bed. Yes, that'd be great. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye. See you.